Good afternoon. Happy March 28, 2022, and thanks for joining me today. Today, I'm going to be talking about New Jersey's second injury fund, and this is going to be a fun topic. Uh, for those of you who don't know what it is, you're going to realize, wait a second, this is an amazing way for us to reduce exposure in our cases. So uh, hopefully uh, you'll have a great takeaway from uh, this discussion today. Uh, so let's talk about what we're gonna talk about today. Uh, first, we're gonna talk about what is the second injury fund. Uh, you should be seeing it show up on your premiums if you're an insured risk uh, client or a carrier uh, as part of your uh, surcharges that you pay to the state of New Jersey to pay for the second injury fund. I'm going to talk today about how the second injury fund impacts exposure positively for you, the employer or carrier, and why you want second injury fund contribution in your total disability case, why it's good for us. I'm going to try to give you examples, 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 because this is a bit esoteric. This is one of those legal topics where it's a little tougher. Uh, I put it in the end of March because I figure everybody's coming out of their winter slumber and ready for some exciting springtime legal topics. So that's why I put it this way, but I'm gonna try to be as clear and concrete as I can in terms of giving you easy to understand and follow examples. And my goal here for today is to give you some practical advice, something you can actually take back to your case population and utilize to reduce exposure. So let's dive in. Quick reminder, uh, this is totally live. Uh, please ask questions. If you type questions into me, I can see them pop up, and I will answer as many questions as I can at the end of today's presentation. And my goal is to uh, answer your questions as completely as I can. And I'm gonna read your question out loud. I won't say your name, don't worry. Uh, just say your first name, I'll read the question so that everybody playing along at home can get the benefit of the uh, question that you're asking. And if you think, hey, I shouldn't ask that question, it's, it's kind of dumb. Believe me, there's somebody else who would benefit from you asking that question because maybe they didn't even think of it. So please put them in there. It really makes this webinar more fun and more interactive for everyone. So let's talk a little bit about why the Second Injury Fund exists. It's one of the few states that still has a second injury fund, and then how we use the second injury fund to reduce our exposure. So this is gonna be one of those practical uh, presentations where you're gonna be able to take something away from this and actually use it to reduce your exposure. So uh, why does the second injury fund exist? Well, you see this little guy here on my, uh, on my screen, and you can see that he's unfortunately got his foot in a cast. And the goal of the second injury fund, uh, which was introduced into the workers' compensation law at the end of World War II, was to encourage employers to hire uh, war veterans who had disabilities, who were coming back with injuries and amputations and maybe limitations in their ability to carry out a full-time job. And at the time, nobody wanted to hire somebody who had an amputation or a prior injury because they recognized, hey, you know what, if this person's uh, already disabled in some way, and then they get a new injury working for him, for me, all of a sudden I'm gonna be exposed for all of that and I don't wanna have to deal with it. And so the second injury fund was designed to encourage the employment of those who have a pre-existing disability, and specifically a significant one, something like an amputation or a real limitation in their ability to do their uh, work because of a medical or physical impairment. So that was the goal of it. Now it pays, anytime where you have an employee who is now totally disabled as the result of a workplace accident, who had a prior disability before the last accident or the last injurious exposure. So 
the goal of the second injury fund is to compensate the employee by offsetting your risk. That's the whole point of the second injury fund. And the second injury fund will pay wherever the employee's prior disability plus their new injury that they had while working for you leaves them completely and totally permanently disabled or unable to work, completely incapacitated, okay? So that's, that's when it pays. So when you're thinking about second injury fund contribution in one of your cases, you're really looking at your ugliest, highest exposure, worst cases with the most catastrophic losses where the person can no longer work in any capacity. So let's talk a little bit more about second injury fund exposure. When does the second injury fund come in and kick that money in and take off that financial burden from you? Well, where the petitioner or the respondent claims or concedes total disability. In other words, the condition precedent for the second injury fund to participate is somebody saying this claimant, this petitioner is totally disabled. Now, typically it's going to be the petitioner's attorney. But sometimes, and you'll see as we work through some of the um, examples, it's so much to our benefit to have the claimant found to be totally disabled because we'll then get payment or offset from the second injury fund that it might be us either pushing petitioner's counsel to file the second injury fund verified petition or we'll concede totality. We'll say, you know what, Judge, we think that this person is totally disabled. We agree, We our injury contributed to that and we're willing to compensate them for it because we're gonna get such a good financial offset uh, from the second injury fund. Next, we have to, or the claimant has to, show that they have a prior impairment of their ability to work before the last employment accident. Right, that's, a, that's something important. We have to show, hey, they had a significant disability. And it doesn't have to be a workplace accident. That They don't have to have a prior workers' compensation claim and award or settlement. Uh, it could be something completely personal. You could find out they had a terrible car wreck 10 years ago, which left them uh, with a hand amputation. Uh, again, nothing to do with work, but now the hand amputation plus the new work injury leaves them completely and totally disabled. Now, again, they must be now permanently and totally disabled. Uh, and oftentimes, you're going to be hearing uh, the defense to your second injury fund, oh, that this person isn't totally disabled, Greg. They just retired. It's a retirement case. It's a retirement claim. Uh, no, we have to demonstrate that they were working right up until that last injurious exposure or that final accident. Okay, let's talk about the mechanics of payment because it's very important for determining how the second injury fund is going to reduce your exposure in a workers' compensation case. Now, the respondent, you, the employer, is still paying for the new disability that you've caused from that last accident, okay? So you're still responsible for that. If we have a uh, employee who sustains a significant injury, let's say, again, loss of a hand or foot, you're gonna be responsible for all of the compensation, 100% of that uh, loss of use of that body part or symptom, uh, system or function. That's still gonna be your exposure. But the second injury fund is gonna pay for the remainder of the disability all the way up to total disability, which again, remember, that's for life. Uh, so it'll be they'll be paying the second injury fund up through the uh, remainder of the claimant's life expectancy. So let's look at, at an example of this. Here's our friendly employee, uh, welcome aboard. Uh, we work here in an orange factory, apparently. And, and this employee has sustained a previous loss of their foot. It was amputated in a non-work-related injury. Again, no 
workplace accident, no prior workers' compensation claim. They came to us on day one, uh, working for us in our employment, and we were aware that they had a prior loss of a foot, but it didn't impede them from doing most of their job duties. Maybe they did their job duties a little slower. Maybe they needed some accommodation, maybe a helper, something like that, uh, but they were able to carry out their activity at our employment. Now, while working for us, unfortunately, the other foot uh, gets injured, and now they've lost their other foot. So, uh, unfortunately, we uh, uh, caused a uh, medical impairment to this person who already had a prior medical impairment. Now, statutorily, I picked this uh, example for a reason, because under the New Jersey Workers' Compensation Statute, the loss of both hands or both arms or both feet or both legs or both eyes will be considered a complete and total disability. So uh, I picked this uh, example on purpose to show, hey, on paper, this person is completely and totally disabled and really it's a very easy job for the claimant to demonstrate uh, that they have a total disability because it's defined this way in the statute, okay? So now us as the employer, uh-oh, we're in trouble, right? Because now this person is statutorily totally disabled. So let's imagine the second injury fund had no exposure in this case and had no contribution. In other words, we weren't getting the benefit of any compensation or, or, or contribution from New Jersey's second injury fund. Uh, what would be we be exposed for? Well, we'd be exposed for the initial period of compensation plus the remainder of benefit weeks for this person's entire life, right? So it would be based on their expected life expectancy. We would also be exposed for the cost of medicals for life. So you would add up that initial period of benefits plus the number of weeks in their life expectancy. And of course, this is going to be paid at the total rate. So that would be your exposure. Now, how do you figure that out? Well, the initial period statutorily under the uh, New Jersey statute, section 12, is always 450 weeks. So you know that your exposure starts at 450 weeks of compensation. And then you would look at the life table or use a rated age to determine the number of weeks in their life expectancy and add those weeks as well. Medical costs for life, I mean, we could do a Medicare set aside or do a, a cost projection to determine what the medicals for life are. And that's how you would arrive at your total exposure. So let's put some math in here. Let's do some, put some money in here. So uh, again, 450 weeks plus 449 weeks of remaining life expectancy plus the medicals. And I'm going to use a very low average weekly wage. I'm going to use an average weekly wage of only $600 per week. That's going to result in a minimum exposure of $539,400. And that's before you start taking into account medical. So that's your minimum exposure for a $600 a week worker who's 61 years old at the time of loss, who sustains the, uh, the loss of a foot in your employment, and they had already had a prior foot loss. And we're presuming that that total disability is going to be all found to be uh, our exposure. All right, let's look at the same example, but this time let's get some contribution from the second injury fund, okay? And here we have our friendly worker. You can see him over here, okay? There he is, uh, and he's got both feet missing. And let's presume that he was working pretty fine, pretty well for us uh, prior to the date of loss. And we've convinced his attorney or her attorney to file a second injury fund petition. And now we're going to be presenting this case to the judge of compensation and the deputy attorney general representing the second injury fund. So we're gonna be saying, hey, second injury fund, I need some contribution for you. 
this gentleman or, or lady who was working for us, they had a pre-existing disability and it was the loss of their foot. So I'm looking for some contribution. And let's start very basically. Let's start with just 1% contribution. In other words, the second injury fund admitting or conceding that the prior disability was, it was even 1%, which is as low as it could possibly go. What happens? Well, uh, remember the second injury fund has to pay when the claimant is now totally disabled. I think we've accomplished that. We've shown that statutorily. And there was a previous injury. Well, we know there was because he was missing a foot. It's pretty obvious, even though it wasn't work-related. And the combination of these two things is uh, rendering them completely and totally disabled. So I think we've got check, check, and check. We can demonstrate, hey, we've got all of these things, all of the factors, second injury fund you need to contribute. And again, again, prior loss of a foot, let's look at the same case. Uh, we know we can look on the, um, on the schedule of disabilities and we can say, look, maximum loss of use of a foot would be 230 weeks of compensation. So what if we just got 1% uh, contribution from the second injury fund. That's 2.3 weeks of compensation. What does that do to our overall exposure, right? Because now we're only going to be exposed for the initial period of disability, and after that, the second injury fund will be comp will be exposed. So let's take a look at what that does to our overall exposure. So again, using a low average weekly rate of $600 a week, if the claimant was totally disabled, we would be responsible for the first 450 weeks. And again, this is with no contribution. The sec we would then be exposed for the life expectancy, 449 weeks uh, of additional payments, totaling at least $539,400 in exposure. But now let's do the same math with the second injury fund contributing just 1%. So the second injury fund in this case would be conceding, hey, we admit that he had or she had a very small pre-existing disability. We're going to say that it's only 1% of the statutory opposite leg, contralateral leg of two and a half weeks of compensation. And so they're gonna we're gonna get that uh, credit. That means we're only gonna pay the initial 446 weeks of compensation, but then the second injury fund is exposed for the life expectancy total award. That reduces our total exposure to $267,600. It's approximately half. And again, we only got a 1% contribution from the second injury fund. As you can imagine, if we could get a significantly higher contribution from the second injury fund, we would obtain an even better benefit in terms of our reduced exposure. So this is a really powerful tool to be utilizing in your cases where the claimant may be totally disabled. How do you get contribution from the second injury fund? Well, there's a couple steps and I just wanna talk about them very briefly. First step is the claimant has to file a verified petition. Oftentimes it is me or my office uh, that is pushing on petitioner's counsel and saying, hey, you're totally disabled, aren't you? You should file that verified petition because we know in the back of our head, hey, we're going to be getting some contribution from the second injury fund and that's going to help reduce our exposure. So we're not adversarial oftentimes to petitioner's counsel filing for a verified petition. In order to have this verified petition be sustained and be uh, utilized and be persuasive to the deputy attorney general representing the second injury fund and ultimately the judge of compensation, there needs to be good documentation submitted with it, really showing that the person has a pre-existing disability. Now, in my case, I've, I've chosen such a simple one. Hey, the person's got a missing foot, judge. Pretty easy. Just roll up the pant leg. Let's take a look. Um, but most cases are going to be a little bit more difficult because the condition that might form the basis of the pre-existing injury doesn't have to be as dramatic or as obvious as an amputation. It could be something like 
um, a mental uh, condition, mental illness, psychiatric disorder. It could be uh, pain syndromes. It could be a low back injury, which is relatively subjective and without you know, very specific diagnostic findings. So really documenting uh, the nature and extent of that alleged prior pre-existing disability is going to be very important to you obtaining contribution from the second injury fund. Next, there's going to have to be at least one medical record in the document, documented file showing that the claimant has a total disability. That's typically going to come from their evaluating physician, their expert physician who's going to find them to be totally disabled. Um, we're also going to be having to uh, advise the second injury fund and the judge about whether or not the claimant is entitled to any other pensions or social security disability awards because that could reduce their exposure um, based on an offset rate. Now, the fund is always going to push back and claim that it does not have exposure. So just be ready for that. In the most easy and open, obvious case that I've given you where the person had a pre-existing amputation and has a second amputation, I think it's pretty clear to me that the second injury fund would concede. But pretty much every other case is going to come in a little um, you know, uh, more difficult to prove than that. Okay, And so the second injury fund is going to push back and they're going to have some defenses. So one thing they're going to defend is um, that uh, they never pay for, and they're going to always argue that they should not pay for any cost of suit, and they should not contribute to paying any attorney's fees for the claimant's attorney. That's all going to come from us, the employer or carrier. Um, they're never going to contribute towards a Section 20. That's a lump sum dismissal of the case. They're just never going to pay for that. Uh, they never have. I've been at this for 21 years. They've never contributed towards a Section 20. Uh, they will not contribute for dependency benefits. If, if the uh, claimant ultimately dies or the claim is filed uh, as a result of a dependency claim, the second injury fund is, will not pay for that. Um, next, they will not pay anything in a partial disability case, meaning less than total permanent residual disability. In those cases where you have a pre-existing disability, particularly to the same body part, you should use the regular credit that's available to you, which is a dollar for dollar offset, pursuant to the decision in the Abdullah case. So you do get a dollar for dollar in current year dollars credit for pre-existing disability in the New Jersey workers' compensation system. Now, the last thing is the fund will not pay where the last accident in and of itself is totally disabling. And they will often argue that the last accident was completely and totally disabling, right? They're gonna say, hey, look, they have all these prior conditions and all these prior disabilities, but Greg, they were working at the time of the last accident. Well, they say that in every case, because by definition, the claimant's always working at the time of the last accident. Otherwise, we wouldn't be here in workers' compensation court. So you've got to be prepared uh, to argue against that argument when it's raised by the deputy attorney general. And the last thing is where the last injury isn't totally disabling at the time of loss, but it gets worse over time and progresses into total disability. They will uh, resist that big time. Their objections, I just kind of walk through it. Usually it's that, hey, Greg, this person is total at the last accident, and it wasn't the combination of the pre-existing disability and this disability which disabled them. They're also going to argue that the claimant's not total. We're going to come in there with medical reports saying, look, this person's totally disabled, can't work, and the deputy attorney general is going to say, oh, well, um, couldn't they work as a Walmart greeter? They usually have this Walmart greeter defense. Um, and so you've got to be prepared to say, no, that's not um, a real uh, argument here, we've got medicals which will demonstrate this person has a permanent and total disability. So 
We've talked about the benefit of a second injury fund contribution in your total disability case. We've talked about uh, a really clear, I think, practical example, and, a, and I tried to show how this has a very significant impact on reducing your exposure. In the context of a total case, a 1% contribution from the second injury fund will serve to reduce your exposure approximately half. So this is a very powerful tool, which should be looked at in, I believe, best practice, every single total case should be evaluated uh, by your defense counsel and by your risk professional to determine if there's a potential for second injury fund contribution. All right, that's my prepared remarks. Let's jump into the question and answer and see what we have in here. I'm hoping there's some fun questions for me. All right, this can't be right. We've got a lot of people here in this presentation. I got no questions. This is a kind of a tough topic. Uh, it's also uh, pretty rare in that, you know, in our office, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of workers' comp cases pending in New Jersey, uh, probably less than 10% of them fall into the second injury fund category where there's going to be uh, an allegation for contribution from the second injury fund or, where, at the, or that the claim is totally disabled. Um, but we are looking at every single case in our pile when it gets, when the issue is raised that the claimant has a total permanent disability, hey, is there any avenue here where we can get contribution from the second injury fund? So it's something that we're looking at in every case. All right, I'm looking down here. I'm seeing people start to drop out and I still don't see any questions popping up. So uh, if you did send me a question, it doesn't seem to be coming through, um, but I'm happy to answer anyone. So if you were trying to ask a question and it didn't pop through, sorry about that. Send me an email or something and I'll get back to you as soon as I can. For everybody else, thanks for joining us today. I hope you have a great rest of the week and we'll see you in April.